Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome Gary Gunn today? Give him a good clap. Go. Gary, um, I, uh, your wife Kathy had surgery a few days ago, maybe a week, 10 days ago. About 10 days. And I was up there, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and to pray with you guys before she actually went into surgery. And you had an opportunity to share with me a testimony that I had not heard before. And uh, I thought, well, I knew we were doing the Financially uh, Fit series, and I want to talk to you about that. On August the, uh, what, 13th? August the 13th. Of uh, 2007. Uh, you and Kathy, you had a, you had a Harley-Davidson, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. There it is right there, and that's Kathy. And you guys uh, had worked hard uh, all of your professional career. And in your marriage, and you decided we're going to take, I don't know, a month or so, and we're just going to travel. And you were on your way to Kansas City, Missouri. And it was a little after 9 o'clock, uh, 9.45 or so, on August the 13th of 2007. What happened? After the, um, we were traveling on Interstate 70 near Russell, Kansas, and the rear tire of our motorcycle catastrophically failed. It blew out, and we crashed at interstate speed. Um, and uh, they picked us up with a, a little small ambulance and took us to a local hospital, and uh, then uh, meta-flighted, uh, medica- uh, life-flighted us down to, uh, to Wichita, to a trauma center. And they didn't think uh, either one of you would live, is that correct? They did not. Um, actually, I found out later that the physicians told me in an apology kind of statement that, uh, Gary, we actually argued with the director of emergency medicine to do you both a favor and let you all die because they didn't think that we'd live through surgery, much less through the evening. Now, you've had a lot of surgery, you have a lot of metal and wire and all of that. Kathy, of course, uh, since the day of the accident, has not been able to like talk to you, voice uh, her, her opinion about anything, and she has to have literally 24-7 care. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. My, uh, this right side of my body, the bones were shattered all the way up to my neck. Uh, they put me together with rods and screws and plates and pins, and uh, due to a, um, the way Kathy's uh, helmet hit the pavement, uh, the neurosurgeon equated it to shaken baby syndrome. Her brain kept traveling forward and actually struck the front of the skull, and it caused a major bleed in one of the uh, arteries or veins in the brain. Mm. They had to drill in and put a pressure port in to uh, relieve her, and that caused most of her problems. So you have wires and staples and all of that, and I see a little duct tape there too. Yeah, that, so it's that, uh, everything. Was it everything? Yes, um, <laughs> You actually, uh, you have three, three daughters? We have three daughters, yes. Three, three daughters. Which, which one of those daughters happens to be the sweetest of the three? Well, now you're going to get me in trouble. Okay? I am. But um, I'd have to say that the oldest would be the sweetest. She's oh. most like her mom. Which one is that up there on the screen, Gary? That would be uh, the one down on the low left, uh, right beside Kathy there. Her name is Kim. It's Kim. There you go. So we promised her that we would ask that question and you would give that answer, right? <laughs> we did, yes. Okay. That, that was bought and paid for by her, yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you're in the hospital, a trauma center there in, uh, for how long? We were in the, uh, 
Via Christi Medical Center in Wichita for 74 days. Uh, Kathy actually was in trauma care uh, ICU initially and then trauma care the entire 74 days. And uh, myself, I was in trauma for uh, approximately 41 days. Uh, they moved me into a private room. I began to get a little better, could uh, talk and ambulate somewhat. Uh, and then they later moved me into rehab. They had to teach me how to walk, how to talk, how to write, how to eat. They had to teach me again because my head also was damaged. It's amazing. Now, so that's where you got the southern drawl is they taught you how to talk again. It was a, it was a southern nurse that taught okay. me how to talk again. Yes. It sure was. Just checking. <laughs> um, but, but then when you were able to come home, uh, they had to, again, on a medical plane, fly you guys from Wichita here to Lakeland. And Kathy had to be, of course, admitted into uh, where? Uh, the, um, my, my next door neighbors actually, and uh, the man that I worked for hired a uh, hospital plane, flew from Brooksville out to Wichita. Uh, they brought us home on October the 25th, and uh, we were able to move Kathy into skilled nursing care and uh, Wedgwood Healthcare Center. So that's now August 13th and now October 25th. 25th. So what did your neighbors do? I mean, you're, 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 you're not able to do anything, answer the phone, pay any bills. Well, your neighbors stepped to the plate. Well, tell me about yeah. that. My, our, our neighbors immediately on the north side of us, Bob and Sandy Turner, they began a trust fund for us and uh, they, they went through the business industry that they and I worked in and began to get donations. And um, they actually took care of all of our bills that came in, our house payment, electric, car payment, all the bills that came into the house other than the ones that were coming from Wichita, they took care of paying those bills. Wow, well. Amen. You know, uh, and you, you talked to them ab about the Lord, and uh, these were individuals at that time are non-believers. That's right, they, they, and they still are. We've, we've uh, said many prayers for both of them. Uh, they were raised up in, in a church atmosphere, but um, they don't serve the Lord, didn't at that time, and, and still don't, but uh, they did what was right but for us. Because you were faithful to the Lord, and Kat, Kat, Kathy's uh, condition today is, uh, is the same. She's still, you can communicate with her because she, somehow or another, if you walk her, her just stare uh, is, is there, but most people cannot. Is, is that? That's the, correct. Kathy's heard my voice, I think. Uh, the neurosurgeons, the neurologists that see her now say that she is, um, um, able to remember or recognize it, my face. She sees well and she hears very well. She just can't make any kind of verbal response. She can't uh, move or do anything on her own. Total care, 24 hours a day for her is correct. But uh, she sees me and I can ask her certain questions uh, every once in a while. Uh, in years past, she used to ask me, do you really love me? And I'd say, baby, you know I love you. But just tell me. And I would say I love you. Well, now I get to ask her, Kathy, do you still love me? And she doesn't talk, but she wiggles her toes. Yes. <laughs> Great day. 
So there you are, guys. If you get a toe that wiggles, you're good to go. All right, so you're home. Uh, your neighbors pay the bills, and when you get home, you have stack and stack and stack of hospital bills. Yes, sir, on, uh, on my counter in our kitchen, uh, we flew home the 25th. Uh, I spent the first night in our home the night of the 25th. Kathy is, of course, in the skilled nursing care. Um, I come in, and there is a stack of statements from the hospital, from doctors. Uh, probably, I think, every doctor that walked the hallway in that hospital must have sent us a bill because some of the bills from doctors were only $125. But we had a bill, just stacks and stacks of bills. Well, what do you figure all of that uh, came to? Pastor, actually, the next week I actually began opening those bills and sorting them out into hospital, anesthesiologists, radiologists, etc. And I began to look at the amounts and they totaled right near or slightly over a million dollars. That's a lot of money. And insurance was paid out well, well before that. Insurance was wiped out way early. Just, just the life flight that took both of us uh, was right at $100,000 for wow. the helicopter ride. Mm. Well, that's uh, pretty interesting. So when you looked at all those bills and uh, you thought, how am I going to pay these? Who, who did you talk to? As I began to look and sum up the totals of all those bills, Pastor, uh, I looked and I said, God, now standing in that kitchen, I looked and said, God, there's no way, no way that I can ever in my life repay all these people. I, I, at that time, I was only able to, to go into the office probably a couple of hours. Uh, I was ambulatory and able to do a little bit, but I said, I can't, I can never repay these people the amount of money that I owe them in my lifetime. So I said, uh, God, I do promise, I promise to be faithful to you first, and then they can have what's left. Well, and uh, that's pretty good. So you started paying, and uh, what, three, four, five months, uh, 07 lapsed, you came home October 23rd, then... 08 comes into play, and uh, what happened then? Well, actually, in early 2008, um, you, you actually did a, a message series uh, shortly after I'd, I'd made the statement to God. I promised to be faithful to you first, and I still, I still wear the band around my wrist, and Kathy wears one on her. You did a series entitled God First. And uh, it, was, it, it fell right in line with what I had spoken to God about keeping him first, regardless of what transpires in your life, to keep him first. And Kathy still has hers on. It does not come off. It does not come God off. God first. Her, yours her, is, mine's well, worn out. It has no words worn left out on and it. dirty and faded, and, <laughs> but you wear it. I still wear it. That's a great connection. Yes, sir. So yeah. God first. So you're paying the bills, you know. <laughs> 25 I'm, here, 50 there, 100 there? That's correct. I, I actually went down to uh, my local branch manager. I'd heard about uh, you can pay on the computer, I, you know, mailing these checks in, writing out all these things. That, that began to be a little time-consuming for me, so I went down to the bank and learned about how to pay online via computer. 
And they taught me how to do it in that a row. That was in 08, of course. That was in 08, So yes. I hear some of the young people snickering. <laughs> you just finding that out? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was 08. <laughs> Early 08, yeah. <laughs> That, uh, that they taught me how to do that, and that's how I began to do it. So I'd send them, some people got $15, some got $20, some got 25 But I promised, I called each business department on every statement that I had. I called them and I said, my name is Gary Gunn. My wife Kathy and I have had an accident out in Kansas, been in the hospital, and I owe you a large amount of money. I don't know how I'll ever be able to pay it all back to you, and I can't do it now, but I do promise that I will send you some form of payment every month. So you rocked on, and uh, then you got, you know, got a landline phone call. What was that? Uh, in, uh, in March, the end of March, early, yes, yeah, the end of March, around the 27th of March of 2008, I was standing in the same spot, almost identical, where I had spoke to God, God, I promised to be faithful to you first. My house phone rang, and house phones, I, I just hardly ever answered it because generally it was a sales call, somebody wanting to give you something special that you didn't need. And so it rang about three or four times, and finally the fourth ring, I reached over and picked it up and I said, hello. And there was a lovely lady on the other end said, could I speak with Gary Gunn, please? How, how did she know? How, you know, it was just us. How do you know she was lovely? She sounded lovely. Oh, sounded. Uh, okay. Her voice was lovely. Okay, I got it. I was, I was giving her the benefit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, forgive me, Jesus. She asked me, could I speak with Gary Gunn, please? And I said, this is Gary. She said, Gary, and she told me her name. Uh, she said, I, I work with the business department at Via Christi Medical Center. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I've already called your business department, and I've made arrangements to, to pay you all monthly, and I'm doing that. She said, Gary, I'm not calling you. This is not a bill collection call. What I'm calling you to tell you is don't send us any more money. Your debt has been forgiven. Well. Well, what'd you do then? Pastor, my knees started shaking. I said, excuse me? She said, Gary, if anybody ever deserved forgiveness, you and your wife deserve it. And she hung up, and I literally fell to the floor on my knees, thanking God because I'd never spent other than a hotel bill. I'd never been into Kansas before. I'd never spent one dollar. They didn't collect any taxes from me. They didn't know me. I was a foreigner in their land. But that business department met, and I'm persuaded God moved on their heart Amen. to forgive me a debt that I owed them unable to pay. Well, well, praise God. Amen. So I, ju I just want to I ju I just want to get this clear. When you were being discharged, you you, you went in to see the doctors, but the nurses peeked around the, what, what was that about? As I was uh, ready to be discharged before we flew home, uh, I had to check in with the doctors for, for myself and for Kathy. Um, 
Dr. Chris Knoll, he was the um, neurosurgeon, and Dr. J. Stanley Jones was the orthopedic surgeon. That They both worked on me and Kathy and put us back together. Uh, they met me and they said, Gary, we, we owe you an apology. And I said, excuse me? They said, we actually argued with the director of emergency medicine here at the hospital to let you and your wife die. Do you a favor, let these people die. They'll never live through surgery, much less through the night. He said, these nurses are peeking around the corner looking at you because you're a walking miracle that they've never seen before. Well, that's to God be the glory. Amen. All Amen. Day. Thanks, Amen. Gary. Amen. God bless you. Well, I don't believe that's an accident. Do you? I know some of you skeptics. You said, well, hospitals like that forgive debt like that all the time. Well, let me tell you how I feel about that. Maybe you feel that way. It's always been God forgiving somebody else's debt and never mine. Hello? The point is, God forgave his debt because I believe he decided to remain faithful to God in spite of his circumstances. Amen. And the reality is, that's called the power of faith. Well, here we go on the first the message series, Becoming Financially Fit. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of people in the culture in which we live, um, a, a, a lot of people live, you know, uh, Throwing the dice, you know, it's kind of like they live by a chance, um, and uh, I think, well, God, you know, I think I'm going to make it, and uh, but I, I, I need a little, I need a little luck, luck, and uh, so we, you know, we throw, we throw the dice in life. We're not really sold out on tithing, not really sold out on that consistent faithfulness. God, you're first. We're not really sold out on alms and offerings. And, you know, God, the bottom line is um, I, I have to have a, a little help. So we, we use the dice. If you get, uh, throw the dice and you just get two number ones on the dice, what, what is that called? It's what? Okay. What if you throw a seven? What is a seven called? See what? Lucky seven. <laughs> Finally through a seven. Or, you know, some of you may say, you know, my help is... Uh, this is, we, we couldn't find anybody to give us a blackjack deal. So we had to make one, you know, blackjack. How many of you know what this is? Yeah, that's, that's the handle. How many of you know which way do you pull it? Down? Now, if you walk up to this blackjack machine, and you, I guess, is that what's called blackjack? You, you're Publix IT guys. that. Pull it down. What are you hoping for to happen when you pull it down? 
Jackpot. Now, what, what, would, what could the jackpot be? You know, $3.50? Could be a lot of money. But I don't know of any people who would walk up and pull it down and say, I hope to lose. I'm pulling it down to lose. I don't, I don't want to make it. You know, um, I, don't, I see people, the lotto ticket, that's a, that's a chance game. It's like throwing the dice. Um, and, and we have all kind of opportunities. The seven is because we have seven points today. And you're saying, oh, Jesus, you usually have three. Now you're going to have seven? It's going to be a long service. Well, I want you to know that, that I am game, okay, with you. So I'm going to throw the dice and every, every dice you know, counts for how long I'm going to preach. <laughs> That's not long enough. <laughs> First throw, man, was 10, 12 minutes. I can't do that. It's, but anyway, we, you see, we live our life that way. None of you, of course, because when I look out on each of you and this message, it's not going to mean a thing to you. Because as I look on this group of people here, you guys don't have any money issues at all. I mean, you have more than you need, more than you can spend. I just want to ask, is there anybody here that that's not the truth in your life? Raise your hand. Is there just one person that we can find that that's not? So the rest of you, I'm assuming you didn't raise your hand. You're either paralyzed <laughs> or you agree with what what I'm saying. Now, money, money alone is the number one acid test of a person's faithfulness and commitment to God. The scripture talks more about money and stewardship than any other subject. So let's find out about that. We say it's luck. I'm going to be talking in the next several messages as it relates to how do we manage what God has blessed us with. Today, there's more people in poverty than ever before in the good old USA. Individuals that are legitimately poor. And Matthew 25 is where we're going to draw our text from today. It's called the parable of the talents. The word talent means gifts, abilities, uh, shape. It it means, of course, personality. It means spiritual gifts. In this case, it meant money. You'll find some of this material in the notes that are provided for you in the bulletin there. Well, it was actually, in this case, a measurement of money, okay? Here we go. Measurement of money. It was a weight of gold. It was a Babylonian talent in that day, a Greek talent, a Roman talent, and each had a specific amount of money. A rich man, of course, uh, tells three of his uh, servants, he said, I'm getting ready to take a journey, and uh, I'm going to give you a material possession that belongs to me, and I'm going to leave it with you. And so Matthew 25, 14, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, and he called his three servants together, and he entrusted his property his property to these three servants. So whose money are we talking about? His money, the master's money. He entrusted them his property. So here's 
Law number one, it is the law of possession. Everything I have belongs to God. Say that with me. Everything I have belongs to God. In other words, it all belongs to God. Wait a minute. Hold the phone. I want you to know, hey, I worked hard for what I have. That's good. Who gave you the brain power? Who gave you the body? Who gave you the energy? Who gave you the wherewithal? Who gave you the ingenuity? Where did all that come from? It came from our heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, that's where it came from. And God has loaned us everything that we have. When you say, those are my kids, when they're behaving. Let me tell you, those kids belong to God. They do. And God says, I want you to steward, raise that child that belongs to me in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Now listen, the money that you have, you can know when you start saying, that's mine. That's mine. When you believe that it's yours, you start worrying. It's the first indication. You start worrying. And the minute you start worrying, you say, that's mine. I'm, I'm worried about what I don't have. I'm worried about paying the bills. You're saying, hey, God, that's mine. God said, no, it's not yours. It belongs to me. Now, the master distributed the money. Here it is, verse 15. To one servant, he gave five talents of money. To another, he gave two talents of money. To another, he gave one talent. It was a Roman talent. Here it is. A Roman talent in that day at this time weighed 71 pounds of solid pure gold. 71 pounds of solid pure gold. If in today's market gold is selling for $1,600 an ounce, that talent of gold would calculate to $1.8 million. $1.8 million. Two talents would be $3.6 million. And five talents would equate to $9 million. And it says he gave each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. Everything that I have belongs to God. Here's number two. The law of allocation. It is this. God has loaned me the money. In this story, everybody gets a different amount. It's quite obvious we're not all of the same wealth. We're not all of the same status. We're all children of God at the foot of the cross. But we know that there are some people that just have ability to turn a ballpoint pen into $100,000. It's just unbelievable. See, we're not all on the same economic status. The guy one, one guy had one talent, another two, another five. But everybody gets something. You say, well, I want more. Well, I'm going to tell you in this message how to get it. Verse 16, the man had received five talents, went at once, put his money to work, gained five more talents of gold. The one who had two talents also doubled his money, but the man who had received the one talent went off. Here's what he did. Dug a hole in the ground and just hid his master's money. Thanks. He put it to work. Money is used to be a tool. We use money to determine whether a person is successful or not. God never intended for you and me to judge anybody by the amount of money that they have or do not have. 
As a matter of fact, we are not called to judge anyone. You see, you use money, but you love people. And when you get that reserve verse and you start making money, I mean making money, here's what will happen. When you start loving money, you'll start using people. Someone said, but money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible said. It is the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is neutral. You can take your money and you can offer it to God at offerings. You can offer it to missionaries. You can offer it to be sure your family's needs are taken care of. Or you can take your money and use it for evil. Put it over here in the good old Cracker Jack box and pull the lever. That's using God's money in an evil way. Thank you for the one amen. I know you're a Christian. In other words, every time you do something with God's money that you cannot say that brings glory to God, you have used God's money for a purpose he never planned that it be used for. My Lord, have mercy, that's preaching. You see, the point is this. Money is neutral, use good or use bad, just like talent. I was with a, uh, with a, a, a multimillionaire at lunch the other day, and they, they have a relationship, a positive relationship with a person named Ricky Skaggs. How many have ever heard of Ricky Skaggs? How many have never heard of Ricky Skaggs? All right, you never heard of it. Raise your hand real quick. Come on, get it up and hold it there. All you people who said you knew Ray about Ricky Skaggs, tell these people when you see them about Ricky Skaggs. A famous, famous top country star, country music. He said, when I'm with Ricky, all he ever wants to talk about is Jesus. Every time we get together for a cup of coffee or fellowship, all he wants to talk about is God. Now, here's a man that's made multiplied millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars off his country music, writing country music, harmonizing with other country stars, and he didn't want to talk about his latest Grammy. He didn't want to talk about his latest best-selling song. He didn't want to talk about all his gold records. All he wants to talk about is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what he's doing? Everything I have belongs to God, and I'm smart enough to know it. But he also knows something else I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. You see, money is neutral, just like talent. He uses his, of course, and others. Uh, others. But then you have Madonna. That talent came from God. But in my opinion, she doesn't use her talent to glorify Jesus Christ. She just doesn't. You see, you can use it to spread good news, and you can have a wonderful lifestyle, and God wants you to enjoy the benefits of, of his love for you and your labors. But listen, money was never given to you to the degree that you say, hey, I'm going to just sit on it. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I'm going to put it in the ground and, and leave it there. God is not going to say when we get to heaven, why weren't you more like your brother? Why weren't you more like your dad, more like your mom? He's going to say, what did you do with the gifts and the abilities and the resources I gave to you? What did you do with it? You know, God wants to know what you did with that. Here's what happened, verse 8, 19. After a long time, the master of the three servants returned and settled his accounts. Master comes back. Jesus is coming back. One day the trump's going to sound, and 
We're going to be right there. It is the law of accountability. One day God will audit me. Say that with me. One day God will audit me. He's going to settle all accounts. Here's the difference between the IRS and God. If you're ever audited by the IRS, they will say, bring this file, bring that material, bring this material. God will say, I don't need any of your material. I already have a record. I know every word, every deed, every penny, every thought, every motive. I already know it. You don't have to bring to me anything. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Based on the record of what I've done of your good works, this is what's going to happen to you. If you're a Christian, you're going to be judged by those good works. And God is saying, I created you for a reason, and it was not for yourself. It was for you to exalt and glorify me in everything that you have with certain talents, abilities, and resources. Some of you, God's given a beautiful voice and said, I want you to use that that you might glorify me. And he didn't mean that you just use it in the shower while the water's running and singing a beautiful, melodious tone. He said, use that talent to give me praise and honor and glory. Use your skill set, your personality, your wonderful way to be able to impact others for the cause of Christ. The bumper sticker said, he who dies with the most toys wins. I say change it. He who dies with the most toys still dies. (laughs) Romans 14, 12, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So I call it when the master called him in, when God calls us to stand before him, it's ROI, return on investment. Verse 20, the man who received five talents brought the other five he had made. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. I gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He got 100% return. Somebody say amen. Here's another, verse 22. The servant who was given two talents of money came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. Now see that I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. 100% investment. The third guy came in, cleared his throat. He received the one talent. And he said, <coughs> <coughs> Master, it was a good place for a drink of water. I, I knew that you're a hard man investing where you've not sown and gathering, gathering where, you, where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. And here's what belongs to you. Get this now. Here's the master. He said, assume that this is the same story when you're in heaven. Stand before the Lord. He said, you wicked and slothful or you wicked, lazy servant. But I brought it back. The amount you gave me, Proverbs 19.3, people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. You see, when you start blaming other people, For the lack or challenges in your life, blame is this. It means be lame, be hyphen, L-A-M-E. 
be lame. Every time I blame my parents, every time I blame the government, every time I blame my boss for what I don't have, every time I blame my wife, every time I blame my husband, let me tell you something. God said, I have gifted you with enough material in your life that had you done what I wanted you to do, paid attention, honored me first, you would not be in the condition that you are in now. You should have at least put my money in the bank so I could make some interest. That's what the master said. The law of utilization. I must wisely use God's money. God expects me to use what I have. Doesn't desire for me to hoard it, hide it, bury it. It's to be used. It is never meant to be stockpiled. It's to be used, not to be stockpiled. Money is like manure. You spread it all around and it helps things grow like fertilizer. Hello? But if you pile it up, it just starts stinking. Wouldn't you hate to be the person seated in this room right now? with tens of thousands of dollars in the bank, have never learned the beauty of tithing. Wouldn't you hate to be the person in this room right now with more blessing in their life than you could ever imagine and not even give offerings? And their family has been used by the blessing of the Lord over and over again. God said, one day you're going to come and it's just going to be the two of us. You see, the problem was the third guy. He thought nothing ventured, nothing gained. He took what his master had given him and he didn't do anything with it. Did the master get upset? I'd say if God says, you wicked and lazy servant, the master, but master, I was afraid of losing, so I didn't do anything with it. He said wicked. You know what wicked means? Wicked equates to murder, to rape, child abuse, sex trafficking, forced labor, bondage. That's wickedness. And the master said, you wicked servant. You hid it. That's wicked. That's the same as rape. It's the same as sex slavery. The same sin, you wicked servant. That is pretty strong. He said, I put you here on earth to see if I could trust you. And here it is, to give you greater responsibility. If you do nothing with what God has given you, you have squandered God's desire in your life to bless you. And often... We run from our responsibility. We don't open that MasterCard charge because we know I don't even want to look at it anymore. I just ran it up to twelve to fifteen to twenty thousand. You'd be surprised the credit card debt that some people have. And say, I just I don't I don't use it much anymore. I haven't cut it up yet. And I get I know I get bills from the credit card company all the time. I don't even look at it. You know what that is? Let me just tell you straight up. I love you, and if I never see you again, that's irresponsibility. That is poor stewardship. You cannot run and close your eyes to things that you should be able to deal with. 
I read a story in preparation for the message of an individual who went to an estate sale, bought an old raggedy-looking television. It was just old. And he got home and thought, maybe I can get this thing to run. Had, still had the, the uh, some of you don't understand this, not every television, young people, is that thick and that wide, okay? There were those that's this wide and that high and actually had glass bulbs in them before transistors and all that came along. But he took it home, started tinkering with it, and found $100,000 in it. $100,000. What is the moral of the story? Go home, look at your old televisions, look in your toaster, look in your old radios, and see if you can find anything. This man chased down, went back to the estate sale, chased down the owner, took the money, and said, this is not mine. This belongs to you. The man said, I put it in there, and I forgot it. How many of you have ever hid money, and you did not remember where you put it? Come on, get it up. You not you did not remember where you put it. All right, you see those hands? Follow these people home. <laughs> Follow them home. You could find it. You see, when you learn to accept your own excuses, you're you're going for a, a miserable life. We know that we all have a purpose that comes from God. Here's the law of motivation. If I'm going to be successful in this life, I must move against my fears. Move against my fears. I must be motivated past my fear. This man could not do it. He had a talent. He could not move past his fear. And some of you are in that that arena yourself. You cannot get past your, you have a singing ability. You're beautiful. You do a great job. You can stay on key. But you know what? You don't use that talent because you're afraid Boy, afraid, you're afraid to say, well, I'm afraid of what it might demand, the sacrifice that it might take for me to use that talent. And so you step back and and you do nothing. You don't invest what God has given you. Some of you have the ability to make money. I had a person tell me one time, Pastor, I don't give to missions. I give to those people that I pick and choose. You know who's wanting to be in control of your money? You. I want to be in control when I give my money of what missionary I give it to, and you're part of the local church? Uh-uh. That says, I want to be in control. And you know what you're going to say? I gave them that money. This is good preaching. I, I know it's going to make your socks slide down your leg, gentlemen. You step back and you do nothing. If the Bible gives us guarantees, here's what he says. If you follow the way God desires, which usually is countercultural, God will bless you. And here's the word of the Lord today. Do, do you trust me or do you trust yourself? You just do nothing because you are afraid. There's not a business owner in this church or a person that's had to launch out and take a risk that said, buddy, I put our savings on the line. I put this much money. I didn't have it to lose, but I felt this is what that we needed to do. And so we stepped out in faith, and some of you made it, and some of you did not make it. But those of you that did not make it, guess what? Don't ever stop trying. Why? Because the fear of a man is a trap. It's a trap. The fear of self-pity, I failed in the past, so I'm not going to try again. The two guys were famous. There are two guys in the Bible that were famous for their failures. One was Judas and the other was Peter. 
What did Judas do? He failed miserably. Self-pity went out and got depressed, hung himself, committed suicide. Peter realized, I did wrong. I denied him. He went out. He prayed. He, he became forgiven. He repented. Forty days later, he was chosen after the resurrection to preach on Pentecost Sunday, and 3,000 people were saved. It was Peter. It was Jesus who said of Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Notice carefully, Jesus didn't choose the superstar. He chose the guy who failed and learned a lesson, and he preached a dynamic message. That's who we are. God reaching out and using us. Verse 28, so what do you do when you don't do it God's way? Serve notice on you. Here it is. You wonder why you keep running in circles, chasing your own financial tail. You haven't learned the lesson. So here's why. God said, if that's how you're going to play your life out with what I've given you, somebody say amen, so I at least know you know how to say it. It's lonely up here. You're going to make me drive me over to pull that lever if you're not careful. <laughs> so I want you to notice now, notice what it says. Okay, you didn't follow suit. You didn't do what you were supposed to. Take away the money from this person, this servant, and give it to the one who has 10 talents. To those who use well what they are given, now notice, will be given more. They will have an abundance. But those who are unfaithful, even what little they have, will be taken away. You know what he just said? You're going to be chasing your tail a long time. You are never going to get to the place in your financial life that you're going to be able to say, wow, I can start, I can start being creative in my, in my giving. You see, that's important, the law of application. If, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's the principle of the universe. You don't lose, use your arm, you tie it up, don't use it. It'll get numb. The muscle tissue will begin to deteriorate and break down, and you won't be able to even move your arm. Your mind, if you don't use your mind, my friend, you're always saying, I'm out of my mind. It won't be long and you will. That's why it's important to read, read to study. If you don't use your talent, you know what happens? God said, that talent you had, you don't need it. But here's what else is important. God has the right to take anything you have away because it's his in the first place. But if you use it wisely, here's the promise. If you use what God has given you wisely from your children to your house, your finances, your talents, your abilities to work, he says that if you use it according to God, he will give you more of what you have in larger quantities. I want more. I want more. I need more. God said then, Use what you already have. God said, I will bless what you sow. You are going to reap. You sow one kernel of corn, and you're going to get a whole stalk. Finally, number seven, the law of compensation. God will reward me for good money management and stewardship. When Victory Church first started 28 years ago this coming month, March, 
We couldn't even get a bank loan. No bank in town would even loan us any money. We were risky business. We didn't have any property. We didn't have any assets. Victory Church, we didn't even have a pencil. My office was at McDonald's. Sunday morning, Sunday morning, go over the notes that have been prepared was at McDonald's. That's how I met Pete, that eventually I won to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pete had a temper. He had a crusty eyes. Sleep was still in his eyes. Every time I saw him, he didn't care about his hair. He didn't care about sleep on his face. But one thing that he did, he loved a burnt English muffin. And if you did not give him a burnt English muffin, he was about 83 then, he would take that English muffin with the best of his ability and let out a curse word and throw it right back there at anybody he could try to hit. That was Pete. I said, he got me a breakfast partner here. But we finally won him to Jesus Christ and watched him change. Well, I'm not you. I could never, I could do that. And you won't ever do it until you say, God, I'm taking a risk here. I got to tell somebody about Jesus. Money is that acid test of faithfulness that God uses. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things I will now put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. There are three things, affirmation, promotion, and celebration. Would you stand to your feet? Why are you asking us to stand? Because I finish sooner while you're standing. But I just want you to know that in Jesus' day when he taught, the congregation stood the whole time. And he was on a stool. How many remember me saying that before? So we're not doing exactly what Jesus did. How many are thankful? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Number one is affirmation. Good job. Well done. You passed the test. You proved that you could be trusted. Number two, promotion. You've been faithful in a few things, and now I'm going to put you in charge of more. If you want more time, give more time to Jesus. If you want more worship, give more worship to Jesus. If you want more money, here's what he says, give more money. If you want more talent, use what you got. In other words, he said, your lack will be rewarded by what you're willing to give up, and I'll give you more. First affirmation, two promotion. Thirdly is celebration. This is what he said. Come and share God's happiness. Come on in and enjoy yourself. Money was that acid test of how much you trust God. That's why, that's why over the next several weeks we're going to talk about that. And here's what Jesus said. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven. And if you're not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, 
or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. We need to reaffirm who we trust. We need to allow God to tweak our hearts. How long are you going to be preaching this series? It's a four-part series, but then I'll see you in three Sundays, Pastor. You just remember this. It's not God's will. This is the truth of God's holy word. God's saying, does it belong to me or not? Does your talent belong to me? Do your kids? Do you ever thank me for your kids? You ever thank me for their health? You ever thank me that they're able to study and to think for you ever thank me for that? Do you ever just take time to thank me for the house you live in? I don't like the house I live in. Well, you're gonna be there a long time. You need to go on outside and plant some flowers. Because the only way you're ever going to get another one is to begin to appreciate the one you have. That's the, that's the good news. So would you bow your heads? Maybe you're in this room right now and you say, you know what, I messed up. And I don't have Jesus in my heart. I don't like what you just said. And I, but I've got something in my life that's missing. And I, I cannot figure it out. I've tried drug, drink, women, all the other stuff that goes along, high-flying, high gambling, everything. I spent more time over at Seminole Center than I've spent in church in 10 years. But you know what Jesus wants from you? He wants to reclaim his heart that's in your chest cavity because it's his. And he wants you to give it up to him and ask him for forgiveness. Would you repeat this prayer, all of us together right now? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I have sinned. I have, sinned. I have messed, things, I have messed up. things up. I have not been good. I have, not been I have been evil. Been evil. But, Father God, but Father God, I realize, I realize something is touching my heart, is touching and my it, heart. Has to be you. it has to be you. I choose to serve you I to serve as I you. ask for forgiveness. I, for forgiveness. I, believe that I, have repented. I believe that I have repented. So come into my heart. So come into my cleanse, heart. My mind, cleanse my mind. Turn Turn me around, Turn me around. And, give me the joy and give me the joy that I have been looking for. Been looking in, for. Jesus name. in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good if you pay attention. If you pay attention, I pray that you'll plan to bring somebody next week with you. Well, I don't want to bring anybody if you're talking about money. Did you not hear me say that money is the acid test? You See, why do you have to be afraid of something so precious? Why would you be afraid of something you work 40 to 50 hours a week for? It works. God is real. If you're here this morning and you need healing in your body, you come on down. God said, I'll give you the benefit. I'll give you a touch. If you need healing, James 5, 14, come let us pray for you, anoint you with oil. Or maybe you, want, you know someone that's financially in deep trouble. Why don't you come and stand in for them and say, God, they weren't here to hear the message. They can pull it down. 
but I want to stand in for them. However God's moving on your life right now, you just pay attention as we sing this song. Stay with me. I'll give the benediction in a moment.